So here's something people don't tell you about film festivals. Beware the food. Yeah. Not that it's bad. It's generally the it's opposite. Actually, yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's good, and yet it's bad. That's so true. Especially well, yeah. when, they, when you've got someplace like a filmmaker's lounge, and they, all the food's been donated. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't go to the Salad Bar Express for donations. They go to Domino's Pizza or, <laughs> um, you know, the local sandwich shop. And the sandwich shop puts together, you know... Two eight-foot subs right. to show up at the six pounds lounge. of cheese on it. And look, there's an entire mini fridge full of Red Bull. <laughs> and oh, jeez, yeah, it can it can work out uh, wonderfully and terribly oh, at the same the, time. Oh, the Doritos! <laughs> oh, the Doritos! Uh, and the most important thing about any film festivals is food. The food. Really That's right. But these are things you have to consider. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Hey, this is Chris Holland. Jesse Trussell. And this is Film Festival Secrets Podcast, episode four. Yeah. Yeah. Episode four. It's a new hope a new <laughs> for the podcast. Um, uh, we're going to pretend you didn't make that joke. <laughs> well, well, we just got back from Sundance. Yes, we did. You know, we can make Star Wars jokes. We, we spent uh, our, our time in a blizzard in Utah watching indie films. So you're saying it was the Ice Planet Hot? It was, yes. So it was pretty close. Let's, by the end of this podcast, we reference Jedi, and then we're good to go. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, yeah, it was kind of like the Ice Planet Hot. Yes. That's one of the things people don't tell you about Sundance. It is an inhospitable place to uh, walk about. You know, when you're even if you you, you luck out and your your accommodations are sort of fairly close into the city and and reasonably close to a shuttle route, you still realize that every day you have to walk up and down two like blocks worth of stairs with six foot ice flows on either side, wearing twelve pounds of clothing. It can be it can be extreme, but you know. The reason why everyone goes still, even with the weather, is it does have the movies. Yes. What is otherwise a wretched hive of scum and villainy <laughs> yes. uh, of ski resorts becomes, yeah, for 10 days, what's 10 days, right? In, yeah. In January, like uh, a little little movie mecca where you go to libraries and high school auditoriums and uh, see some, some really interesting films. Okay, so what, what, what movies did you see that like blew you away? Um, so really incredible films. Blue Valentine, which is definitely one of the big buzz titles. Weinstein picked it up. Um, What's it about? It's, uh, it's a relationship drama about um, – basically it's a couple played by uh, Ryan Gosling and Michelle Williams. So you know, you're already starting ahead of the game when you have uh, two actors like that with a, uh, in a film. And it's kind of about the beginning and end of their relationship intercut back and forth. Really, really incredible film. Uh, picked up by the Weinsteins. Apparently picked up by the Weinsteins for about uh, a million dollars, which is a lot of money, but less money than, you know, five years ago mm-hmm. when they pa- they were picking up films for four and five and ten million dollars. So this is the serious side of 500 Days of Summer. Yes, yes, exactly. It's 500 Days of Summer, but sad all the way through. Hmm. Um, that's really good. 500 Days of Summer wasn't sad all the way through? Not all, but part of the way through. It had some light. It had, it it had you know, Hall Notes montages. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the important things. Um, I, th- I thought that was incredible. Uh, I thought um, Last Train Home is definitely a film we should look oh, out wow, for. Yeah. That's already starting to play around the festival circuit a lot, and it's going to get a lot of uh, acclaim, I think, as the year goes along. It's a really phenomenal Chinese documentary about the um, yearly migration of 200 million migrant workers back home for the new year, sort of following one family over the course of, of three, four years. It's a really, really powerful film. You should definitely... Seek that out. It, it needs to be seen on the big screen. I think. Definitely. Because otherwise I don't think you're going to get that sense of 
claustrophobia Absolutely. and sort of being in the middle of the action. Just feel like you're, you you become just a member of that family for a couple of years. And it's uh, for frequently while watching the film, I would just forget that I was watching a documentary and yeah. it was just so sucked into the story. Uh, I thought it was pretty, pretty incredible. How about, how about you, Chris? Anything? Well, Last Train Home was really good. Um, uh, Welcome to the Rileys, which I was not expecting to like, given that it was one of the Kristen Stewart. Not that I have anything against the Kristen Stewart, but Twilight fans, like, Chris Holland likes Kristen Stewart. I do, uh, but you know, it's just I don't know. It was, when you get sure. tentpole titles like that, sure. they they rarely live up to. Yeah, it's it's easy for a film hype. like that to disappoint when you're coming with Kristen Stewart and James Gandolfini and right. Um, and that actress whose name I can never remember, Ali Sheedy, has a cameo. <laughs> well, that which was bizarre. I like that Ali Sheedy's getting because you know she's like forty, forty-five. Yeah. I'm guessing at this yeah, point. Yeah, has to be. And um, you're looking at it, and you're looking at she's okay. She's probably forty. She's mm-hmm. she's only four or five years older than I am, but still. Um, you're looking at her, and you're looking at her, and you're thinking, "Who the hell is that?" Right. And you look at the credits, and you're like, "Oh, Ali Sheedy." I didn't recognize her without the dandruff, you know. <laughs> Little Breakfast Club reference there. Yes. Sure. Nobody back. at all got yeah. it. I got it. You got, got it. Right Good I for you. Um, yeah, and Sundance, so that was Sundance. Yeah. You know, it was it was a good time. It was my it was my first time being at Sundance, mm-hmm. and uh, it was uh, it was sort of incredible, especially to kind of really uh, realize on a first hand basis all the things I've been hearing about Sundance for mm-hmm. years. It really is just this massive glut of people, and you know. Who all know each other, who are all in the yeah, same Yeah, it's industry. a tiny, insular little community. But what's weird is that, like, the insular sort of film world community of Sundance is embedded within this, this huge number of people who come to Sundance for vacation. Mm-hmm. When Chris and I were on a, a shuttle uh, on the way in from, from Salt Lake to, to Park City, we were there with uh, three women in their 40s who were going on a vacation because one of them happened to be a huge Robert Redford fan. And so they'd gotten their ticket packages and were, were coming in for a Park City Like know, one of them was a dentist time. and the rest were dental hygienists. Yes, right? exactly. Was, exactly. Yeah, that's bizarre. So it is this weird mix of uh, it's a little ski town where – Every film distributor and a bunch of just completely, you know, film fans uh, on vacation sort of are mixed together. Which reminds me of that thing you told me about, like, when they found out what the average Sundance viewer looked (laughs) like based on their demographics. Right, there was a Wall Street Journal interview with uh, Trevor Groth and and John Cooper, the sort of heads of the Sundance Film Festival. John Cooper newly promoted to head after uh, Jeff Gilmore left. And they were saying that that the average Sundance attendee is a... A uh, single woman between 25 and 35 making like fifty dollars to $90,000 a year. So prime dating spot. Target-rich environment, boys. <laughs> I hope women don't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, it's uh, – I, I thoroughly enjoyed my first Sundance. I thought it was a, a great time. Yeah. yeah. It, it brought – for me, it sort of brought into focus the importance of uh, – Picking a location, if you're going to network, mm-hmm. which is basically all that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and in many ways, the most important so thing you important. can do. Um, no, I mean, taking a lot of meetings mm-hmm. and, and uh, you're in an environment that's so difficult to get around, which is, for a lot of, you know, filmmakers is any festival, you know, because yeah. you're, you're flown in or you're flying yeah. in, you don't have a car. Right, um, and you're sort of at the mercy of either the public transit system or the mm-hmm. the shuttle system. And you know, the, the Sundance shuttle system doesn't run exactly when you want it to all the time, mm-hmm. but it runs and it can get you yeah. places. And that's but it's going to take you an hour pretty yeah. much to get anywhere. Um, so I pretty much staked out the Yarrow Bar, mm-hmm. um, which was pleasant. Um, little Sundance secret during the festival: uh, they have two dollar beers on draft 
pretty much not bad all day. Especially um, when you're having that 3.1% alcohol, the $2 beer. Yeah, exactly. Being... exactly. Well, it's mostly water anyway, yeah. so you're getting a $2 yes. water with flavoring. <laughs> with beer, fl- beer no, flavor. But yeah, but yeah, it, it, it's Sundance, you know, in the in the meetings and sort of connections aspect of, the, of the, the kind of the game of Sundance. It really is finding a place where you can be a little central and, you know, knock out a bunch of meetings in a row. So the, yeah, the Yarrow Bar, you know, meeting uh, in and around the Eccles, these are kind of the important hotspots to, to think about if you ever make the trip out to Park City. Yeah. So let's move on. I've actually been to another festival Right. You, then. Chris, just came, got back, uh, even more just got back than Sundance, from, from Oxford, which is a very cool little festival, although a little bit on the other end of the spectrum in the size uh, yes, game from yes, Sundance. Indeed. Oxford, Mississippi uh, Film Festival. Oxford... Is is as artsy and and hip a town as Mississippi gets. Um, yeah. Not having been to every town in Mississippi, obviously, but my grandmother lived in Mississippi for a while. I've been to a lot of different towns there. Oxford is as artsy Oxford, as Oxford it is gets. It, huh? Yeah. Well, the University of Mississippi is there, Ole Miss, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I was I'd been there once before, but I was again pleasantly surprised at how many people seem to be turning out for the festival and, and showing up for things and. You know, um, there was no sort of big headliner like Prom Night in Mississippi this year. Mm-hmm. Morgan Freeman did not put in an appearance or, right, right. or whatever. But, um, you know, uh, Joey Lauren Adams, who lives in Oxford, showed <laughs> really? up a couple nights. That was That's interesting. Cool. Yeah. Um, Mary Elizabeth something from uh, Quiet Little Marriage. And it's oh, always yes, in Philadelphia. Yes. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Ellis. Ellis she's she's very nice. Indeed. Yeah. Um, you know, she had befriended a couple of filmmakers, mm-hmm. um, the guys who made Bicycle Lane, uh, Jeff Ruggles and Don Black. And um, I was sort of in their company, and she came up to them and was like, Jeff and Don, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and so just sort of sat there and listened to her make jokes for half an hour, which was fun. Yeah. Um, who else was there? Ray McKinnon, who was all over the Southern Circuit. But yes. It's always nice to see him. Um, Ray McKinnon Great was honored mm-hmm. with a Lifetime Achievement Award oh, from nice. Oxford. So that was cool. Um, and they did one of those retrospective videos for him. I'd forgotten how many amazing movies mm-hmm. that guy has been mm-hmm. in. Oh, He's Brother, right now. He was the the preacher in Deadwood, Deadwood TV series. Mm-hmm. I mean, God, the guy's been everywhere. Some great stuff. Oxford's a cool festival too because uh, they they really take the time to like go out to other festivals and mm-hmm. kind of really hunt and search for some stuff. You're going to always see some gems at Oxford from the the festival world that a lot of other festivals aren't programming, which yeah. is was really cool. And I think they, you know, they take a lot of time to hit their submissions. They don't get that many submissions, mm-hmm. so it's harder for them to program out of them. But um, it's a good balance of yeah. stuff that, I mean, certainly something like Bicycle Lane, which had only played like Tucson before, um, they really recognized as, you know, worthy of, mm-hmm. of a mm-hmm. festival play and, and put it in there and brought the filmmakers in, which I thought was tremendously cool. Um and I managed to leave both parties before they got broken up, broken up by the cops. Oh, that's always good. Yeah. yeah. After the awards ceremony, apparently they didn't have a late night thing planned. Oh, yeah. And on Saturday night, um, all the bars close at midnight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you, they stopped selling alcohol at the convenience stores at midnight. Uh, and it was like 1130 when the, the awards let out. So it was Mad Dash the convenience store <laughs> along with every college student in the town. <laughs> And then, um, you know, we ended up in somebody's hotel room. Right. And, of course, that never goes well. 
<laughs> so I managed to leave that one before the cops broke it up. And then the, the second party, I think I just started parties in other people's rooms and then left before the cops Always showed Always good. Um, so, yeah, make, make sure you, you really don't want to be in jail in Mississippi. Is my no. Not that anyone went to jail. I'm just kidding. But, um, yeah, I'm, from reports, the, the cop who showed up was like 13 years old and sort of <laughs> frightened of the film festival people. Right. But anyway, it was a good time. See, what you should be getting from this is that Oxford throws a good party. Oxford does throw a good party, and they're uh, they're very cool. I mean, Oxford is 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 a great example of the kind of the benefit of smaller festivals. Oh yeah, you get a, you get a lot more personal attention. It feels you know it's very sort of uh, a small party atmosphere, wherein it's uh, it's when people come together, throw on this throw a great event for their communities, and they can be really appreciative of it. You know, Oxford, Mississippi, isn't a town that's necessarily going to get a ton of independent, you know, films coming through it. So they can come out and support this event, and it's a, it can be a really good time, especially if you're a filmmaker and you want to go kind of have a really great experience with audiences that are you know, genuinely interested mm-hmm. and excited to see something new and fresh. Playing those smaller festivals can be a, a lot of fun and really rewarding. Yeah. It's funny. One of the guys I met is a guy named Dave Basolto, um, who runs sort of an online filmmaking school. Um, and I'm sorry, Dave, I'm, I'm blanking on the... The URL, but I'm pretty sure it's filmmakingcentral.com. Anyway, just Google we have show notes. David Basulto, B-A-S-U-L-T-O. Anyway, he gave a one-hour seminar, basically break, distilling his 10-week online course into an hour. Wow. <laughs> Which was pretty funny, but um, during the course, somebody asked him, you know, what's the benefit of film festivals? And he was like, well... I mean, from my perspective, as a producer who already knows before I make a film sort of the kind of people I'm going to sell it to, not much. Um, But I think he's wrong about that, or he's wrong from the perspective of filmmakers who are certainly just starting out who don't have those connections. Mm -hmm. Even a festival like Oxford, you can meet somebody like Dave, or you can meet somebody from half a dozen distribution companies who have been brought in specifically by... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The festival, or somebody like Kim Voiner, who's a film critic for um, Movie City News. Mm-hmm. You know, people like that who can, who even if they don't directly help you in your career, it's good to know them. Yes, you can ask it's good questions, questions and they, if they like you, if they like your film, they can put you in touch mm-hmm. with people who can help. Yeah, you. they certainly have much bigger soapboxes than than you, as you know, a starting out independent filmmaker does. That's for darn sure. And uh, yeah. All right, well, South by Southwest is coming up. South by Southwest is coming up fast. The uh, features announcement was last Thursday, and uh, it looks like a very, very strong year this year. Some, uh, some good titles. You know, South by is always a, a, a fun festival, so opening with Kick-Ass and then showing the MacGruber film should be some... Uh, oh, Pepsi, some Pepsi, 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 <laughs> Pepsi, 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 Pepsi. I, I don't know why that yeah. amuses me, but it it's does. It's good. It's good stuff. And, you know, it's, I mean, South by is cool because it's got a mix of those sort of the big kind of comedy titles along with a bunch of really small movies and their music doc section always strong looks incredible this year with um documentaries about um let me kill my from motorhead and um what else is in there uh oh the stephen merritt um magnetic fields documentary um as well as documentaries on you know independent music and uh iran and a bunch of other really really cool things there's a it's a good festival and shorts are announced on friday i hear so, short filmmakers, it's a fun week. Yeah, I was just thinking about a friend of ours who did not get into either mm-hmm. Sundance or South By, mm-hmm. and I'm sure is feeling, you know, sort of the uh, 
the depression of rejection. Um, and this is a guy who doesn't have a whole lot of money to spend on submissions and, and really, you know, I, it's a good short and I, mm-hmm. I would hate for him to stop submitting it now. Yeah, but, I, I think and I don't, I don't want to name names or go no, too far. No, I, I think it, it's but. always important to when you're thinking about these these big festivals to realize just even on the level of you know whether or not taking a rejection as discouragement or anything like that. Um, realize that like South by is getting thousands of films. It's not that they're rejecting bad movies; they're rejecting good movies purely because it's not you can't have the slots for everything you'd love to play. Yeah. And I think that's always important. And to realize that, you know, maybe for one reason or another, your film isn't necessarily appropriate for the biggest of the big festivals to get through that mm. that tiny percentage that they play. But, you know, playing festivals like Oxford and getting out there, you can make your connections and find there's real benefits to smaller festivals than Sundance and South by Southwest as well. You don't have to play one of the tentpole festivals or else your film is, is a failure. That's right. completely the wrong way to look at it. Yeah. Anyway, that's uh, all the time we've got for now. I think yep. we're going to talk more about South By in coming weeks mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. sure, especially once uh, shorts get announced. Um, but we're trying to keep these short and sweet. So this is it. This is Chris Holland. Yay. This is Jess Trussell. And we'll see you next time. Return of the Jedi. <laughs>